The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Welcome, children. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you know it must be Tentacle Tuesday. And that also means it's time for another exciting episode of Detective Warren Stevens vs. the Cult of Iyatsu. They say that a master magician distracts you so that you never really see how the trick is performed or what they're truly up to. With Master Rune waiting for our hero at the police station on Halloween, no less. Is he there for a trick or a treat? And across town, we have another situation developing with Miss Kuchma and poor little Alex. Shall we check in on them today and see what's going on? Hmm? So grab some popcorn, your loved ones, and hold on as we see that the cult is not the only ones on the move this Tentacle Tuesday. A quick reminder that yes, 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 this podcast contains graphic violence, child endangerment, and salty language, blah, blah, blah. You heard it all already, but they make me say this. Now, let us rejoin our story with Chapter 6, Slight of Hand. <laughs> The presence of Master Rune could be felt like a strange vibration in the air around the Montgomery Police Department. Both Detective Stevens and Donaldson exchanged looks as Stevens pulled his old crown Victoria in front of the station. Even the gas lamps seemed to be pushed down by the level of malevolence emanating from the building. This only heightened Detective Stevens' concerns. If his presence could be felt this far out, the demon Malek had also cast off such a forceful malevolence. But... For a human to have such strength? The two men found it exhausting to climb the steps and enter the station. When they opened the large wooden doors, the level of pressure increased. What is this? Donaldson asked. It's his spiritual presence, Stevens replied, and he's not being shy about showing off how strong he is. The place looked dim, cold, and woeful. The desk sergeant, Daniels, was doing his best to look in control of his emotions as he flipped through his paperwork and related assignments. His face looked pale and he spoke with a nervous crack as soon as he saw the two men approach the desk. Oh, thank God you're here. He quickly pressed the call button on his desk phone. Chief, Donaldson and Stevens are here. He also repeated Daniel's sentiments. Oh, thank God. Tell them I want to see them in my office immediately. Yes, sir, Daniels replied. The chief wants... We heard him. Thanks, Daniels. Stevens smiled. He took a deep breath and seemed to push out. An air of calm began to extend from him and throughout the department. Like a shark smelling blood in the water, Master Rune immediately crept out of the shadows of the waiting room and approached the detective. You've kept me waiting, detective. The detective looked at his watch, tapped on it a few times, and then looked up at the gawking figure of Master Rune. Well, look at that. Hey, Donaldson, it seems we've kept our friend, Master Rune, waiting. Donaldson dug his feet in a little. He was feeling a little more confident. He couldn't believe his partner's flippant attitude, but... Huh, 
I guess we did. Didn't the chief say he wanted to see us immediately? A look of disgust crossed the high priest's face as it was clear he looked at them as nothing more than worthless lumps of flesh. You're right, looking at the high priest. I'm so sorry, but it looks like we're going to have to make you wait a little longer. The high priest was furious. It was clear he wasn't used to people being able to stand up to his might. Really, he said with gritted teeth. That's rather unfortunate. I really can't afford to lounge around here all night. You see, detective, my followers and I have a high mass scheduled for midnight tonight, and I have many things to prepare. Aw, oh, I was just going to order us some Chinese. MSG? No MSG? I am not amused, detective. The chief came exploding out of his office. Stevens! Donaldson! Didn't I say that I wanted to see you? He saw Master Rune standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with Stevens and held his tongue. Well, I'm afraid that my boss wants to go over things with me first, Master Rune. So you either need to go back to the waiting room and wait until we're ready or... That is not acceptable, Detective. That is your only option, Master Rune. Detective, that tablet you hold is a significant part of our service tonight. I really need you to return it to me. Is that so? Would you care to enlighten me on how? Master Rune scowled. Those particulars are only for true followers of our god Ikyatsu. Ikyatsu, huh? That does roll off the tongue, doesn't it, Donaldson, Chief? The two men nodded. It makes me want to hold a Chinese, Daniel squeaked from behind the desk, still trying hard to look brave. Don't mock my god! Daniels cowered and slid lower in his chair, and the chief and Donaldson both backed away. This time, the detective scowled and leaned in. Once again, his calming sense of presence filled the room, and it was evident that even Master Rune backed away a little. Then I need to advise you, Master Rune, that you and your followers are suspects in the Thomas murders. That your tablet is staying here, high mass or no high mass. And if you leave without sitting down and discussing this matter with me in a civilized manner, I will be seeking a search warrant. And then me and my colleagues will be paying you a little visit in the near future. I see, he said with a raised eyebrow and turned away in his massive robes, walking towards the exit. Then both my followers and I will look forward to your visit. It was clear he was calling the detective's bluff. He tossed something silverish in the air. It flashed in the light a few times as it descended towards the desk of the staff sergeant. Rich immediately, out of instinct, went to catch it. Donaldson! Don't! The detective yelled out, and he quickly withdrew his hand and allowed whatever it was to drop to the floor. It splattered and seeped into the crevices in the concrete. Ah, oh, what the hell was that? I'm not sure, the detective responded. Chief, Daniels, everyone okay? It was clear they were all exhausted. I'm fine, the chief replied. Was that the esteemed Master Rune I told you about? Yeah. Daniels proceeded to get sick in a pail next to his desk and then held up his hand to tell people to back away. I'm fine. I'm fine. Sorry. It was just too much. Donaldson looked over his friend and colleague. He remembered the warning he'd given him a few hours ago about knowing, understanding, and how they wanted good, quiet sheep. He thought about his wife and two girls. What have I got to myself into? Detective Stevens lost his balance for a moment and leaned in against Daniel's desk. He cracked a smile at the chief and Daniel's. Was that too much? I thought I could have given a little bit better. It was clear he was exhausted. Are you okay? The chief asked. Yeah, I just overextended myself a little. Stevens steadied himself and stood up, 
and then he asked, What did you want to see us about anyway? I heard that Rogers had been taken to a hospital and wanted to see if you had heard anything. You mean he's not back? When I called the hospital to check in, they said that he'd left. The three men looked at each other and then over to Daniels, who was still trying to regain his composure. I have nothing from him, sir. The last I heard, he was still waiting to be examined at the hospital. Do you think he left without being examined? The chief asked. Knowing Tim? Probably, Stevens replied. Yeah, Donaldson interrupted. Don't you think he would have come back here? All right. Before we go running around like a chicken with his head cut off, I'll have an officer swing around to his house and another to the hospital. In the meantime, let's get on the phone with the judge and get a warrant for that church. What was it called? INA, sir. Right. The chief turned and headed to his office. Hey, chief, Stevens called out. Let Donaldson and I head over to Tim's place. If he's there, I can fill him in on everything. And besides, he said he wanted to tell me some information on that church. Okay. Go ahead. Our meeting can wait until we're all together to discuss how we're going to proceed from here on out. Josephine Kuchma watched as the respirator breathed for her daughter, Alex. That and the slow rhythmic beep, beep, beep of the heart monitor was the only thing telling her that her daughter was still alive. She didn't move, not even a twitch, and for such a lively girl, it unnerved her. Hot tears rolled down her cheeks onto the blue and orange Mets hat that she held tightly to her chest. Clinging it to the same way Alex clinged to life, she kept reliving the fight they had just days before she went to Michael's birthday party. I don't want you to go to that house, she said with a stern, commanding voice. Mom, her daughter replied, I've already said yes. I don't care. But Mom, Michael's really nice, and I don't want to hurt his feelings. Plus, he doesn't have many friends. That's not my problem, she huffed. Mom, Alex replied trying to soften her mother's harsh stand. You've always told me not to judge people by how they look or by their parents. But honey, Miss Kuchma tried to object. Michael's my friend and I'm going, Alex said defiantly. But that house, those people. Mom, I know, she said as she placed her hand on her mother's shoulder. That house creeps me out too, but I won't break my promise to Michael. Fine. But I expect you to be home at 11, not a minute later. Do you understand? Yes, Mom, I do. I promise. I'll be home by 11. A couple men in light green scrubs approached from behind, pushing a wheelchair. They entered into Alex's room and began to take her off the machines. Excuse me, Miss Kuchma called out. Turning to her, the two tried to allay her concerns. Don't worry, ma'am. We've been instructed to move her into a different room. Oh, the doctor didn't tell me. One of the two men came around and into the room where she was standing. You're Miss Kuchma, right? Yes. Do you really think it's safe to take Alex off of? We do what the doctor orders, ma'am. The man smiled, but instead of feeling comforted, a sense of foreboding grew inside her. Maybe I should talk to the doctor or call someone to check. Oh, the man said. That won't be necessary. Something cold, metallic-like flashed momentarily and a hot, sharp pain erupted across Miss Kuchma's stomach. She doubled over it in pain, unable to breathe or call out for help as something warm spread across her blouse. That is when she noticed a long green and purple tentacle tattoo running down the man's forearm. I've got the girl. We need to hurry, the one man said to the other as he watched Miss Kuchma desperately trying to reach out to Alex now sitting in the wheelchair. He leaned over her and licked the blood off the knife and whispered into her ear. The girl is ours. She belongs to Ikyatsu. <laughs> Oh, God, 
she gurgled out as the room swam and everything went blank. Come on, brother. We need to hurry. I'm coming. Is she? Dead? Not yet, but she soon will be. They raced down the hall to the freight elevator and pressed the call button. As they did, they heard a ding and a nurse step off the elevator down the hall. She headed towards the room where Alex Kuchma had been. Immediately, alarms began to blare. The elevator arrived and the two pushed the girl into it and descended to the basement where a van waited for them. As it reached the basement, the one turned to the other. Are you ready, brother? As he commands, brother. They heard the ding of the elevated doors push open with a heavy grinding noise. The corridor was nearly pitch black and neither could see anything but the dull orange glow of the exit light. It seemed more distant than it should. A figure moved in the darkness. Who's that, brother? Ignore him, brother. The master awaits. Our God will protect us. The crackling sound of electricity could be heard and a bluish light began to crawl its way up the man's arm and across his entire body. He looked up from under his hood, his amorous eyes piercing in the darkness. What is he? It's dead, whatever he is, he exclaimed, raising his arm and racing forward, dagger held high above his head. He began to bring it down on the unknown person was met by a pair of strong hands. The blue lightning cracked and left from him, and then down the cultist's bodies, jolting him back, the blade tumbling to the ground with a heavy clang. The cultist's eyes grew wide as the light surged through his body, running up and down as if seeking a way to ground itself. He barely managed to yelp as the pain seared through him. The other cultists, infuriated by what or whoever stood between them and their escape, put all his weight behind the wheelchair and began to run full force at the shrouded man. Atlai, Gyatsu! Utlam! But instead of running directly into the man's legs, he was met with a wall of blue fire. His flesh ignited like being covered in gasoline, and he fell back writhing on the cold cement floor. The strange man stepped out of the darkness. Alex began to twitch in her wheelchair, foam flowing out of her mouth. A sadness filled the stranger's eyes and he leaned in. Placing his hand on her forehead, he spoke. Relax. Salvatore in nomine, mio accurare nequias. Alex immediately relaxed, falling into a deep sleep, her chest rising and falling on its own for the first time in almost a day. Picking her up and out of the chair, he carried the girl to the elevator and headed up. What's this? A new character with amicet eyes has appeared. Who is he? Is this that Jonah Hollander we've been long expecting? If so, why hasn't he contacted our hero? Hmm, I wonder. And Master Rune did bring you a gift. How exciting. <laughs> How rude of Detective Donaldson not to accept it. <laughs> Someone better call maintenance and clean that up. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun, isn't it? And still, we have no news of our missing Detective Rogers. Oh, 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 I hope he's okay. I guess we'll find out in our next episode. Hmm? <laughs> Tune in next Tentacle Tuesday and find out in Chapter 7, Unseen Movements. 